Pastor David has again assigned a long passage here. 21 verses today. If you get tired while standing, you may sit down as, as needed. However, this is a great passage, and I'm actually really looking forward to uh, reading it for us. So uh, let's get started. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 26. So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Avilet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man, Judas Iscariot, acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out, and it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Achel Dama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered 
with the 11 apostles. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. Please be seated. Well, uh, happy Father's Day to all of you once again, and uh, I hope all of you uh, enjoy these who received it. I guess it's a, it's a credit card holder. Um, I don't know if this is supposed to be symbolic of what we as fathers do, paying for all our family's groceries and vacation trips and those kind of things, but uh, anyway, I hope, I hope you enjoy this. <laughs> It's the first time I've ever received a credit card holder at church. And so it's an interesting gift. Okay, but that's good. It's good. Um, but yes, you know, I think all of us, I, I was just reflecting on Father's Day and whether, whether you, can you hear me now? Okay. I'm getting the signal. Hello? Testing, testing. Hello? Hello? Hello. All right, never mind. Okay. Um, whether, you know, whether your father is still on earth or whether, um, you know, your father's passed on to heaven, whether you had a great father or not so great father, I'm just reminded that we have a great, great heavenly father uh, whose care we all ultimately come under. And uh, this is what Father's Day to me is ultimately about, is coming under and recognizing uh, our great father in heaven that we all have. So, um, well, thank you, Paul, for reading that um, passage for us. I, I feel like after reading a long passage in the book of Acts, Acts 1 like that, it's, I almost feel like that was a sermon itself, right? And we're almost ready uh, to just hear that, and that's good. But um, yeah, we, as you know, as you can see, as we start off, we're going to start, uh, we're going to go through a series here in the book of Acts, and this series is going to take us actually to uh, about November, so for the next several months, and this is one of those series that um, it's really looking at the very, very big picture about church and why we're here uh, as a church, and so I'm excited about this. Uh, this is a series that the Mandarin, Cantonese, and English congregation were all going through together, and we're all preaching the exact same passages together. So, um, you know, this kind of explains why this passage, uh, we're going to just kind of zip through and uh, take a bird's eye view. And if you look at the book of Acts, um, Acts is really a continuation of the story of Jesus. So the Gospels speak of the life, the birth, uh, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and it, be it begins a story there. But Acts continues the story of Jesus as he ascends to heaven. And as the church now grows and advances, the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke describes, he says, all that Jesus began to do and teach, uh, all of Jesus' earthly ministry, and Acts continues to describe all that Jesus continues to do to this very day until he returns. And um, Jesus is really, as we see in this book of Acts, he is the risen king. Uh, he is ascended. He's interceding for the church. He's working. 
and we get to be part of this great redemptive story that God is writing. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting book as we see that God is actively at work all over the world. Well, um, I'm going to do this. Actually, you know, I forgot to, to do this, but I'd like for us to pray. So um, even though I've kind of just started, I feel like we should just go to the Lord in prayer and uh, lift this message up in the series as well to the Lord. So please join me in the word of prayer. Lord, we really just acknowledge you um, as the ascended and the risen king, uh, the one who is seated at the right hand, exalted, who's full of glory. And we are so thankful, Jesus, that you are the one who rules and reigns, uh, that we get to live under your rule and we get to be part of the church. And Lord, we recognize that you are the one building your kingdom. Uh, building your church and as we go through the book of Acts uh, Lord I pray that you would um, help us to see our role our part what it means to be disciples who are obedient um, and who are faithful and to be uh, witnesses to what you have done and all that you continue to do so Lord um, Teach us, mold us, shape us uh, through your word uh, as CFC here in Monterey Park. Shape us to be that kind of church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I used to love going to uh, bookstores. Do you guys remember those things? <laughs> okay, they're kind of relic relics from the past. Um, I think there are very, very few bookstores left, right? This is like the last bookstore, I think. Um, but I used to, I, I remember I used to love going to, do you remember a bookstore called Borders? <laughs> All right, those who are like 40 on the above, right? <laughs> but yeah, Borders, right? I used to love going to a bookstore, browsing through uh, the books, magazines, all that, and just sitting, sitting there sometimes for hours. I mean, it's such a great experience. And, uh, you know, now these things are truly like, uh, you know, relics. I mean, they don't, you know, more and more they're becoming extinct all over. And um, now when people buy books, where do they go? They go online, right? I mean, Amazon has pretty much taken over. And by the time that Borders kind of realized what was happening, it was they were already too late into the game. You know, they kind of lost out. And so now I don't think they're even in existence anymore. And Borders, this bookstore, along with a lot of these bookstores that were once hugely popular, massively popular, um, they lost sight of their mission, so to speak, right? as oftentimes a lot of businesses do. I think Borders got caught up in, in maintaining their bookstores and trying to, uh, to build more bookstores or better bookstores. But they lost sight of the fact that their mission is to sell books, right? Not just to build bookstores. And there's a book written by this guy named Peter Greer. But he talks about something called the missional drift. And he talks about how organizations, businesses, and might I add, even churches 
over time began to lose sight of its core mission, of its real focus. Why are we here as an organization? Why are we here as a church? Why do we exist? What is our ultimate purpose for being here? And he talks about several of these kinds of examples. Now, if you look at, on the other hand, uh, one of my favorite places, In-N-Out, right? And In-N-Out, they continue to be wildly popular, right? and you still see lines uh, stretching out, you know, even towards midnight at In-N-Out, but they haven't done one thing to change their menu, right, since they've begun their, their stores. I, their hamburger, their cheeseburger, their fries are exactly the same. They don't try to pretend to be something more, right? They don't try to sell chicken or pizza. You know, some of these like chain stores, uh, hamburger stores trying to sell tacos or pizza or pizza stores selling hamburgers or whatever. Um, they, they haven't lost sight of their core mission and what their core values are all about. And this is what the book of Acts brings us to as a church. It reminds us of this fundamental question, why are we actually here? Um, what are we here for? Is it to make sure that we have great Bible studies, right? Or to have great inspiring worship services? Is this our mission as a church? Well, the mission of a church it's very simple, and it's defined not by the pastors, not by the leadership. The mission of the church is given by the chief pastor himself, Jesus Christ. In Acts 1, the passage we just read, the core verse in this whole passage is Acts 1.8. And here Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Right here is the core mission that Jesus has given us. Now, if I know that I'm about to go away from my family for a long, long time. What I'm going to do is right before I go away, I'm going to share with my family the very most important instructions, the most important things I could possibly share with them. Right? And it's not going to be the, the little things, right? I'm not, well, be sure to take out the trash, you know, to clean up your room, things like that. I want to focus on what is it what is the final message? What is it that I really want to impress upon my children? And of all the things that Jesus could have impressed upon his disciples right before he ascends back to heaven to go away for a long time before he comes back, he could have told the disciples a lot of things. He could have said, hey, make sure that you uh, read your Bibles daily, you know, and pray. Uh, make sure that you guys, you know, take really good care of one another. You know, like just, just really focus on 
on uh, helping one another really well. Uh, make sure that you guys have really good Sunday worship, right? He could have said any number of things. But the one thing that he leaves, the final most important thing that he wants to impress upon his disciples is right here. You will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And the reason for this is why? So that you can be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Um, it's really simple, actually. This is the, these are the most important things that Jesus wants to convey, the final instructions. And if these are the final words before he ascends, then it tells you something of the importance and the urgency of Jesus' mission. What is a witness? A witness is someone who testifies to what they have seen and what, to what they have heard. They, they proclaim it. And to be a witness for Jesus is to be someone who is testifying, who is proclaiming, I know Jesus, and this is who he is, and I need to share this with you. This is what it means. And this mission that is given to the church is not just a mission for the church in general, but it is a mission that's given to every disciple, to every Christian in particular. And it is not just an option for the gifted few, for, you know, the people who are, you know, the pastors, the missionaries, the leaders, the, the really, you know, the really, really committed type of Christians. And this is the mission that's given to every single disciple of Jesus. We see this clearly in the book of Acts. The 12 were the original witnesses here as they are hearing these words of Jesus in Acts 1. But as you look throughout the book of Acts, you'll begin to see that um, this idea of witness is being described of, of everyone who comes to know who Jesus is. But in Acts chapter 2, which um, uh, Pastor Rick is going to preach on next Sunday, but in Acts chapter 2, we will see that the Spirit is poured upon the church in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And as the Spirit is poured upon the church, uh, all the believers are beginning to witness, to testify who, to, who, who Jesus is. And in Acts chapter 3, um, says, You killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, and to this we are witnesses. Right? And so this is, this is uh, Peter and, and James speaking. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 39, Peter addressing Cornelius, a Gentile, and other Gentiles and Jews, and he's saying, We are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death on the tree, but God raised him on the third day. In Acts 22, 15, there's this Jewish man named Ananias. And he's telling Paul, you will be a witness to him, for him, to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And so this idea of being a witness, uh, it's, it's just all throughout this book, Everyone who encounters Jesus is then immediately commissioned to be a witness for Christ. All of us here, right, in this sanctuary. 
The way of the gospel has always been through ordinary believers, you and I, taking the simple message of Jesus and telling others about testifying to who Jesus is. This has always been the way. Think about how you came to faith in Christ, all of you. Someone had to share this message with you. Someone testified to you. Is a friend, a family member, maybe a pastor, maybe you went to some rally and you put your faith in Christ, but someone had to share this message with you. It got to you, you believed, and then you put your faith in Christ. And God has not changed his methods at all. We are all to be, to be witnesses to this message. Now, um, most of us, most of us really struggle in evangelizing. We struggle for a number of reasons. And I struggle with evangelism. Um, you know, it is not easy. We, it's much easier to focus on our own growth in many ways, right? It's easier to focus on going to Bible study and studying more of the Word. It's, it's easier to uh, go to fellowship and to, um, you know, just meet with other believers. That's far easier. But when we talk about this idea that we are all witnesses, it's something that we kind of know intellectually, but then we kind of, all right, I know, I know. I'm not good at this, or I, I, we feel a little guilty about it. Um, but there's a number of barriers that get in the way of this in our lives. And some of these barriers are barriers that we kind of put up in our hearts. And that's really the biggest. But I think for us, when we talk about witnessing, uh, I had this conversation, you know, actually with, with someone uh, not too long ago and saying, well, are we really, are we, are we called to really, uh, to, uh, is this great commission given just to, this, to the 12 disciples? Are we responsible for this? And I was trying to show them from the book of Acts, well, this is something we're all supposed to do, right? Um, for some of us, I think we say, well, I witness through the way I live my life and my work. This is my witness. The way I witness is by working hard in my, my office, my cubicle, my uh, wherever my office environment is, or at school, or wherever that is, I'm going to show other people that I'm a good Christian by working ethically, by working honestly, um, by doing the best job that I could possibly do, and this is my witness. And I want to say to you, true, yes, you should, right? By the way that you live, by the way that you, you work, those things are very important to, in a sense, back up the message of the gospel. But that is not actually the same thing as witnessing. To witness is to testify. It's to actually proclaim a message. The word gospel is a word good news. News is something that you share. It's truth. It's content. And the good news is not your great lifestyle. The, great new, the good news is Jesus himself. 
And we do learn to build relationships. We don't force things right away. That's true. But if we don't get to the point of actually sharing the good news, we leave them just as lost as ever. Right? It's not your good work ethic that saves people. It's Jesus who saves people. Some can become apathetic. Uh, it's easy to think, well, this isn't my spiritual gift. Um, this isn't what I'm good at, or this isn't really my main ministry. My main ministry is maybe um, helping other Christians, you know, uh, get stronger in their faith or to serve in this capacity. Um, you know, th these are my main ministries. And um, what I would say to that is that if these are Jesus' final words to us, uh, if this is, if this is the, the last thing that he wanted to convey to his disciples, then this has got to be the priority for us as well. Right? It's good to be involved in serving in different kinds of ways in the church and, and to other believers. That's all important. But the mission of why we're here as a church, the mission of why we're here individually as believers here on earth, is so that we can testify, we can proclaim who Jesus is. And we have to really examine what is our purpose? Why are we here? Um, every year at our church, we have our annual missions conference. And this missions conference, you know, it's good and it's kind of bad to be honest with you, in my opinion, right? It's good because we want to be a missions-minded church, so to speak. We want to be a church that's thinking about the world and the needs of the world, and yes, absolutely. But my fear and my concern is this, that whenever we have the missions conference, is that we look at the missionaries who come and we think they're a different category of Christians, that's them. And that's admirable and it's respectable. And I wish I could have that kind of courage and faith, but that's not me. And we sort of dichotomize a little bit and we say, well, that's, that's good, you know, but that's them. Have you ever thought about it this way, though? What is the difference between the missionary who goes overseas to take the gospel to a culture or people group uh, where, you know, they have to learn the language and the culture to effectively minister the gospel versus us here. The difference is not identity. The difference is simply location. That's it. They are simply doing what Jesus called all of us to do which is to be his witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But our identity and our mission is no different from the mission of the missionaries. It's the same mission. And that's what I want all of us as a church to really understand. Otherwise, we, we do this split, you know, like they're the elite Navy SEAL Christians, and here's the rest of us. But that's not true, right? That's not we have the same mission. And this is what Jesus is getting at. And then he says in verses 9 through 11, 
And I want you to see that there's urgency in this mission. Verses 9 through 11, Jesus says, well, um, Luke is writing about Jesus. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, Jesus ascending to heaven, why is this so important? Is because this shows us the urgency of this mission. Jesus right now, you know, he's in heaven, but he's going to come back. He promises he's going to return. And when he returns, before he returns, we have a job to do. This is what Luke is writing, what he's trying to convey. And not only that, but we've been given the Holy Spirit. And so as the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, Jesus ascended. Now it's like, let's, he's saying, get at it. You know, go. And Jesus is with us, and he's interceding for us, and he's going before us, and he's accomplishing this mission through the church. And I, I hope you can see the urgency of this, that one day Jesus is going to return. And when he does, that we will be ready, and that we will have done whatever we could to spread the name of Jesus in our lifetime here. But the power behind this mission is Acts 1.8. And this is what I want you to see as well. In Acts 1.8, um, Jesus says, and he promises to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Spirit comes upon you. Right? Now this is good news. Because this means that as we are on mission with Jesus, that we're not alone. It's actually the Holy Spirit who empowers us to, to carry this mission on. Our job is simply to be faithful and to be obedient. But it's God's job, it's the Holy Spirit's job to do the actual saving. He's the one who convicts and he's the one who saves and he's the one who brings people to faith in Christ. But as we're faithful and obedient, God does the saving work. And when you see the Holy Spirit, when we are walking and keeping in step with the Spirit, He empowers us to do things we never would have imagined doing. This is the sign of the Spirit's working. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not ready. Right? Um, I think that's one of the things we say in our hearts. Well, I, I'm not, I need more um, equipping. I need more training or... Um, I need more classes, or I, I need to grow more as a Christian, or I don't know enough. I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to handle those objections when they come up and those questions. And, and so we, we kind of shirk back in fear. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the Spirit is with us and we're keeping in step with the Spirit, those things do not become barriers to what God can accomplish. It's not our brilliance. It's not our you know, well-crafted answers. It's not our perfect gospel presentations that saves people. It's Jesus by his spirit. This is what he does. If you look at these original 12 and then the 120 that were in Jerusalem, how well-trained were they? They're just ordinary, 
fisherman, tax collector, uh, just regular, like run-of-the-mill bunch of people with all kinds of flaws. But when the Spirit comes upon them, the same Peter who denied Jesus three times is all of a sudden boldly preaching the gospel, you know, at risk of his own life, at the risk of being imprisoned, these untrained fishermen who are boldly declaring the message of Jesus. That's the Spirit's power. And they're even singing praises to God when they're put in prison because of their witness for Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who enables. And He takes you and I, people who are timid, uh, people who may be fearful, people who in our hearts we think, you know, I can't do this. And He's the one who emboldens us. And as we take those steps, it's God who does the incredible work of saving people's lives. This is God's work. And the last thing, oh man, okay, it's already, the last thing I just want to share is this. Um, you know, we, we haven't even gotten to the rest of this passage. Okay. Um, all right, that's fine. But the foundation of our witness is this, and I, I, I just, I need to say this, but the foundation is prayer. It is prayer. If you look at the rest of the verses, verse 12, when they gather together, uh, right after Jesus ascends, what do they do? It says in verse 14, actually all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And I want, I want you to see that, you know, by ourselves, this is impossible. But we can't do it in our own strength. And, and it's not a matter of just crafting up good vision plans and good mission statements and core values and uh, coming up with a good strategy and just saying, okay, we're going to nail this. It's not like that at all. Uh, we need to come to a point where we say, God, we need your spirit. Send us your spirit. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but we need to be filled with the spirit. And we need to Ask Jesus, send us your spirit upon us individually and as a church. If you look at all the great revivals, and if you look at any great work of God through the ages, it's always been because they devoted themselves to prayer, to the work of prayer. Um, there's a couple ways to do this very practically. You know, Every Wednesday, we have our prayer meeting at church. And we pray about all kinds of things. But Saturday morning, you know, I understand, hey, Wednesday, you, go, you have to go to work the next day. You may be tired and it's like, okay, I can't do Wednesday nights. Saturday morning, the first Saturday of every month, can we devote just one hour and 15 minutes to ask God, God, send us your spirit. Help us to be your witnesses. Can we do that as a church? I am convinced that that prayer meeting is the driving engine of our church. Why? Because that spiritually is what's laying down the foundation for us to be on mission with Jesus. Uh, it's so key. Do you want to see power in your life at our church? We got to pray. Without prayer, we're not relying on the Holy Spirit. We're just relying on our strength. Or we're just 
you know, we're not really concerned about the things of God. Uh, one thing I encourage you, take a prayer card. This is my prayer card. Every, uh, well, honestly, just about every day, I pray for the names on this prayer card. And on this prayer card is all the unbelievers that I'm praying for. Like my neighbors, Peter, Kathy, Tim, Chris. Like I'm praying for them all the time. I'm praying for my relatives. I'm praying for those who don't know Christ. I'm praying for some people I know, you know, who come to our church. And uh, I'm praying for people I come across. But I pray the names on these prayer cards regularly. I'm just praying, Lord, would you save them? Would you open their eyes? Lord, would you help me this day to share the gospel with someone? Help me this week to be able to share the gospel with different people. You have to, you have to actively take these things before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to pray for these people. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, to open up the opportunities so that this day at work or at school or, you know, as I just go about, would you give me opportunities to just talk about Jesus with someone? And think about those people. Who are these people, right? Who are the people that Jesus has put in your life that you want to be sharing with? And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior this day, I invite you to put your faith in Christ. Jesus Christ, he's the one who came 2,000 years ago, and he went to the cross to pay the debt for your sins so that God can forgive you, Jesus can reconcile you back to God. He rose again on the third day to prove that he, in fact, can forgive sins. And if you put your faith into Christ and say, Jesus, I believe in you, I trust in you, I want to turn away from my sin, I want to turn to you, I place my life into your hands, this day Jesus can save you. He could forgive and he could give you eternal life. This is the power of Jesus. And um, this is the message, the simple message that Jesus has left us to proclaim here on this earth. This is what our life is about. This is what our church is about. This is the mission that Jesus has given us. I'm not the one to give it. The board is not the one to give it. It's Jesus himself who gives this mission to us. And the question is not, uh, whether this is what we're supposed to do, the question is, am I, is my life and my life purpose aligned with the purpose of Jesus? Or am I running my own course? Are we running our own course as a church? I pray that we would align our purpose with the purpose of Jesus himself. Uh, I'm going to just invite the praise team to come up. And I know we're running a few minutes late here, but... Um, if we could just, yeah, if we could just maybe sing um, maybe just one couple verses together and, and then we'll just close off uh, really quickly. But as we do so, would you go to the Lord and would you say, Lord, help me, help my life, help my heart to be aligned with your heart. Help me not to drift away from your purpose and your mission for my life. Help my life to be aligned with your mission, your purpose.